I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your Heavenly Host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's Painless Sunday School lesson, Without Works. This week, we are going to discuss the events occurring at the Gaza Strip, the history of the region, and the evangelical view of the situation. This is being recorded on October 28, 2023, and we're doing our best to give the latest information. Uh, I'm going to try to keep this as straightforward and clear as possible. I'm going to cover sort of histories and and uh, the non-evangelical piece, and then we will cover the evangelical piece. I should say, we say it's a painless Sunday school lesson. This one might have some pain associated with it. I'm extremely emotional about this topic. Uh, I spent much of the past 20 days watching news coming directly out of Palestine, sharing Palestinian voices and calling my representatives to demand a ceasefire and humanitarian aid to the people of Palestine. And the first things first, we have to state unequivocally the following. Zionism is not Judaism, and a person can be anti-Zionist and not anti-Semitic, as many, many, many American Jews are, and we'll come back to that in a few minutes. The second thing we need to uh, state unequivocally is that the attack on Israel on October 7th of 2023 is abhorrent, terrible, and we grieve with the survivors and the families of those who were killed. May their memories be a blessing. So let's start with some history, which I've put together from several sources. It's very broad, very simplified overview of the history. In the show notes, we've included an extensive reading list to get a rounder view of the subject. Israel and Palestine. In the late 19th century, the Zionist movement called for the creation of a homeland for the Jewish people to escape persecution in Europe. Immigration and the purchase of land in Palestine, then part of the Ottoman Empire, was encouraged. The land known as Palestine at the beginning of the 20th century encompasses a 25,000 square mile piece of land bordered on the west by the Mediterranean Sea, on the east by what is now Syria and Jordan, on the south by Egypt, and on the north by Lebanon. After the First World War and the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, Britain was granted a mandate to govern the region of Palestine and Jewish immigration increased as Nazism took hold in Central Europe. This brought tensions in the area with the Arab population, and after the Second World War, a new plan was drawn up and agreed upon by the United Nations to create two separate Arab and Jewish states, with Jerusalem remaining international. The Arab state would include Gaza, an area near the border with Egypt, a zone near the border with Lebanon, a central region which includes the West Bank, and a tiny enclave at the city of Jaffa, but this was never implemented after Arab opposition. At midnight on the 14th and 15th of May, 1948, the mandate for Palestine expired and the state of Israel came into being. The Palestine government formally ceased to exist. The status of British forces still in the process of withdrawal from Haifa changed to occupiers of a foreign territory. The Palestinian police force formally stood down and was disbanded, but the remaining personnel evacuated alongside British military forces. The British blockade of Palestine was lifted, and all of those who had been Palestinian citizens ceased to be British-protected persons with mandatory Palestine passports no longer giving British protection. Over the next few days, approximately 700 Lebanese 1,800 Syrian, 4,000 Iraqi, and 2,800 Egyptian troops crossed over the borders into Palestine starting the 1948 Arab-Israeli War. That war, which lasted until 1949, would see Israel expand to encompass about 78% of the territory of the former British Mandate, with Transjordan seizing and subsequently annexing the West Bank and the Kingdom of Egypt seizing the Gaza Strip. The 1948 Palestinian expulsion and flight known to Palestinians as the Nakba took place both before and after the end of the mandate. The foundational events of the Nakba took place and shortly after the 1948 Palestine War, as that 78% of the mandatory Palestine was declared as Israel, leading to the expulsion and flight of 700,000 Palestinians and the related depopulation and destruction of over 500 Palestinian villages by Zionist militias and later the Israeli army, and subsequent geographical erasure, the denial of the Palestinian right of return, 
the creation of a permanent Palestinian refugees, and the shattering of Palestinian society. Now, back to what I brought up at the opening of this episode, the difference between Zionism and Judaism. Judaism is an Abrahamic, monotheistic, and ethnic religion, comprises the collective spiritual, cultural, and legal traditions of the Jewish people, having originated as an organized religion in the Middle East during the Bronze Age. Let me ask you if that sounds right to you. Okay, great. Zionism is a 19th century political ideology that emerged in a moment where Jews were defined as irrevocably outside of a Christian Europe. European anti-Semitism threatened and ended millions of Jewish lives in pogroms, in exile, and in the Holocaust. Many Jews today are anti-Zionist, believing that Zionism was a false and failed answer to the desperately real question that many of their ancestors faced of how to protect Jewish lives from the murderous anti-Semitism in Europe. While it had many strains historic, the Zionism that took hold and stands today is a settler colonial movement establishing an apartheid state where Jews have more rights than others. So what is a settler colony? Settler colonialism occurs when colonizers invade and occupy territory to permanently replace the existing society with that society of the colonizers. Settler colonialism is a form of exogenous domination, typically organized or supported by an imperial authority. Settler colonialism contrasts with exploitation colonialism, which entails an economic policy of conquering territory to exploit its population as cheap or free labor and its natural resources as raw material. In this way, settler colonialism lasts indefinitely, except in the rare event of complete evacuation or settler decolonization. Writing in the 1990s, Patrick Wolfe theorized that settler colonialism as a structure rather than an event, premised on the elimination rather than the exploitation of the native population, thus distinguishing it from classical colonialism. He also argued that settler colonialism was centered on the control of land, and that it continued after the closing of the frontier. His approach was defining for the field, but has been challenged by other scholars on the basis that many situations involve a combination of elimination and exploitation. Settler colonial studies often focuses on the former British colonies in North America, Australia, and New Zealand, which are close to the complete prototypical form of settler colonialism, but it's also applied to many other conflicts throughout the world. The United States very much is a settler (laughs) colonialist society, and we remain that way. Today in Gaza, only over 2 million Palestinians live within roughly 140 square miles. It's one of the world's most densely populated territories, according to an Israeli non-governmental organization called Gisha. Half of the Palestinians living in Gaza are under the age of 19, but they have few to no prospects for socioeconomic growth and limited access to the outside world. Israel has maintained a land, air, and sea blockade on Gaza since 2007 that has had a devastating effect on Palestinian citizens. Israel has built an apartheid blockade, which gives it control of Gaza's borders, which is also enforced by Egypt. The International Committee of the Red Cross considers the blockade to be illegal and says that it violates the Geneva Convention, a charge that Israeli officials deny. The UN Various human rights groups and legal scholars citing the blockade consider Gaza to still be under military occupation by Israel. Human Rights Watch likened the condition in Gaza to an open-air prison, referring to the restriction of movement Israel enforces on Palestinians there. Israel prohibits Palestinians from entering or leaving the area except in extremely rare cases, which include urgent, life-threatening medical conditions and a very short list of merchants. Israelis, Jewish settlers, and foreigners are not subject to those restrictions and are free to travel in and out of Gaza. Over the years, Israel has gradually closed land border crossings from Gaza into Israel except for one, which is open only to Palestinians with Israeli-approved permits. Egypt sporadically closes its land border crossing for months on end, which is the only way that the people in Gaza can gain access to the rest of the world. 
Further, the roads within Gaza are segregated and Palestinians and Israelis are issued different colored license plates to allow for easy identification. By limiting imports and nearly all exports, Israel's 16-year blockade has driven Gaza's economy to near collapse, with unemployment rates above 40%, according to the World Bank. More than 65% of the population live under the poverty line, according to the UN, with 63% of people in Gaza deemed food insecure by the World Food Program. Little psychological support exists for a generation of children who are living with the long-term psychological effects of constant exposure to violence, according to a UN report, which described an uptick of mental health issues, including depression, among the young people living in the Gaza Strip. Israel controls food, water, electricity, internet, medicine, and the movement of Palestinian people, and have been annexing more and more of Gaza since 1948. Hamas, a Sunni Islamist political and military organization committed to armed resistance against Israel and the creation of an Islamic Palestinian state in Israel's place, has been the de facto governing body of the Gaza Strip since 2007, when it ousted the Palestinian Authority from power. Several nations and governing bodies have labeled Hamas a terrorist organization which encompasses between 20,000 and 25,000 members. On October 7th, Palestinian militant groups led by Hamas launched over 3,500 rockets from the Gaza Strip into Israel and executed a surprise invasion by land, sea, and air, breaking through the Gaza-Israel barrier to attack at least 22 locations in Israel's southern district. Civilians were targeted in these locations, which included a music festival. Thousands of Israeli citizens were injured, and at least 1,400 were killed. In addition, over 200 people were taken hostage. Since that time, uh, Israel began bombing and airstrikes on Gaza on the 7th of October. These continue through today, October 28th. On October 13th, Israel gave the 1 million residents of northern Gaza an order to evacuate to the south, and if they did not, anyone left in the north would be considered a combatant. Israelis allowed one road for the evacuation, but during that time, they bombed the road, targeting civilians and ambulances. On October 17th, Al-Alhi Hospital was bombed, killing over 500 Palestinian refugees. The Israeli Defense Ministry claimed responsibility for the attack, but shortly after they rescinded that statement and blamed a misfired Hamas rocket. Israel has ceased all food, water, electricity, and medicine from entering Gaza. They've also blocked the only exit available to Gazans at the Egyptian border. Over 1 million Palestinians have lost their homes to bombing. 22 hospitals have been shuttered. Surgeries, including amputations required by the injuries from explosions, are being performed without anesthesia or fresh water and often by the lights of cell phones. As of October 27th, Israel has begun a ground offensive and shut down the satellite access, silencing any Palestinian journalists and citizens from getting information out of Gaza. They've also warned that they believe that Hamas has a stronghold underneath the largest hospital in Gaza, where 15,000 Palestinians are currently seeking refuge. One report states that between October 7th and 26th, 7,028 Palestinians have been killed, including 2,913 children. This figure is likely significantly less than the actual death toll, as this is based on bodies recovered. There are hundreds of buildings that have been reduced to rubble and contain the remains of people that haven't yet been found. I could speak on this for hours, but we're trying to keep this as straightforward as possible. So I just want to end with some clarity on definitions. Western media is using the phrase Israel-Hamas war in most of their coverage. A war indicates an armed conflict between states or nations. A war requires two armies. Israel has the 10th largest army in the world and is backed by most, if not all, of the Western nations. Gaza, or Palestine, is comprised of 2.2 million people, half of which are children. A segment of Hamas is located within Gaza, but they are not an army. They use largely improvised weapons as Israel dictates what comes in and out of Gaza. This is not a war. This is not defense. This is a calculated ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people. Gaza is often described as an open-air prison. I used that term earlier. But this is also a euphemism. 
A prison indicates that the population are criminals, prosecuted and found guilty of a crime. A prison also requires that its inhabitants are provided adequate food, water, and medical care. None of these requisites are true of Gaza. The population of Gaza have been convicted of no crime, and the settler colony of Israel has control over its water, food, electricity, communications, and medicine. That is a textbook definition of a concentration camp. Finally, the words genocide and ethnic cleansing are both being used, and both are accurate, but they are not the same thing. Ethnic cleansing comprises the actions that can be used in the goal to remove members of an ethnic or religious group from an area. Genocide is the murder of an entire population. All genocide can be considered ethnic cleansing, but not all ethnic cleansing is genocide. It is clear that Israel has been guilty of humanitarian atrocities for decades. These have ramped up exponentially in the past month with unyielding aerial attacks, the use of white phosphorus, the targeting of hospitals, schools, and mosques, the silencing of Palestinian communication with the outside world, and the denial of basic human needs to the 2.2 million civilians in Gaza, including over 1 million children. It is becoming more clear every day that Israel seeks to finalize their purging of Palestinians from the land that they have colonized by means of genocide. Many Palestinians are making the devastating decision to stay in their homes as long as possible, afraid they will leave and lose what little they have left the way their ancestors did in 1948. They are standing their ground, believing it's better to die in their homes, as many of them have nothing left to lose. Um, I should say also, not only have mosques been targeted, but also churches have been targeted. Mm -hmm. There are Christians living in Gaza. Right, as there were before. There have been forever. Yes. Um, before it was given over to um, make the nation of Israel. So that's my piece. Yes. Sorry, everyone. No, but don't apologize. Um, what is it, first of all, to, to clarify this, this is not a religious war. This is not a religious war. This is not even really an ideological war. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say again, it is not a war. Right. No, no. This I, is a, that. this is largely, and it's gross to say, but true, a land grab. Right. Israel wants the land, the, Israel wants Gaza Strip. Well, Israel has been encroaching on this land for quite a long time. Oh, yes. Now. The Gaza Strip was bigger when it started. Right. It's ignoring the, the decisions that were being made by the UN. Yes. Um, um, I should also say that our government is complicit and my tax dollars are actively going towards buying the bombs that are falling on Palestine. And when the UN Security Council brought up the resolution for a ceasefire to bring in humanitarian aid to Palestine um, in the middle of, I believe it was on October 17th. Oh, no, it was on the 16th, I believe. There was one vote against that, and it was the United States. Mm -hmm. And the United States has veto power. And so there was no ceasefire recommendation made. Um, today, October 28th, the UN has overwhelmingly uh, declared a non-binding resolution for a ceasefire for humanitarian aid. But they've also been accusing Israel of war crimes for the last dozen years. Mm -hmm. And so non-binding resolution, Israel's going to do what Israel wants to do. Right. Um, there's a lot of questions that come out of this for me. For instance, uh, how did Hamas who previously worked with improvised weapons, mm -hmm. how did they get the ability to invade Israel? Yes. How did one of the more advanced spy networks in the world not understand maybe this? Maybe the discovery? most. Maybe right. It might be the CIA and the Mossad mm -hmm. are the two sort of pinnacle agencies. And there are now reports coming out that the residents of southern Israel were being warned that there may be an attack coming mm. uh, up to three weeks before it happened. So I don't love a conspiracy theory, but I do know that the current leader of Israel, uh, Netanyahu, is rabidly Zionist mm -hmm. and has wanted to, he, just, he wants a reason. He wants a reason to do what he's doing. Right. Um, another question is, 
there were 200 hostages. My understanding, although I haven't heard this from anybody, is the point of this is to get the hostages back. And I don't know how destroying everything is a means to get hostages back. How do you know that you haven't destroyed the hostages? hostages? Yes. That was uh, the first question that I asked, which is, well, the third question I asked, the first was, how did this attack happen without anybody knowing about it? The second one was, how did um, a group that had been working with very primitive weapons before, improvised weapons, mount an attack this sophisticated at this level? Iran. The answer to that is Iran. Mm. And Iran has taken credit for it. They have said that they have helped Hamas with weapons and training. That that happened. They they came out with that fairly early. Okay. Um, Which is there's another piece to this, of course, which is um, the United States is about to put boots on the ground. Right. Um, Iran has said, if you put boots on the ground, we're going to get involved, and Hezbollah in Lebanon is going to get involved, and then we have a World War Three situation happening. Because these are, Israel is a nuclear power. Mm -hmm. I believe Iran is a nuclear power. And we, unfortunately, are a nuclear power. And we're close enough to Russia at this point, also a nuclear power. Russia and China are going to get involved as well. Mm -hmm. They're going to side with Iran. And we're going to have a problem. And those states, specifically um, Iran and the uh, areas where Hezbollah is are saying, if you don't stop killing Palestinians, we're going to get involved. But I don't know what their threshold is, because there have been almost 8,000 deaths. Right. So how many is enough? It doesn't appear that Hamas is very concerned about this. This is just an excuse for them. Hamas? And it doesn't seem like Israel, at least the Zionist government in Israel, is really, that this is also an excuse for them. Yes. I can't... I'm, I don't want to speak for Hamas, but I, I understand two things about Hamas. Mm-hmm. One, they don't really care about the Palestinian people. Right. They took control of Gaza, but you can't mount an attack of the size that they did on Israel and care about the Palestinian people in Gaza because they, they the knew what the repercussions yeah. were going to be. And the second thing is... There is a very fine line between terrorism and freedom fighter, and mm-hmm. it really depends on whether you win or not. It is entirely possible and maybe probable that a lot of the Hamas fighters come out of the fact that people have been bombed every day of their lives, which can only radicalize mm-hmm. people, and they've seen peaceful protests uh, and in the death of hundreds of Palestinians by the IDF. Right. And now they are taking drastic measures because nothing has worked in 70 years. And that's... Violence is often what finally causes a change. Mm-hmm. And that's terrible. But that's humanity. So then... I'm not trying to pro-Hamas. No, 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 I'm no, no, no. not... I understand that trying to find a parallel for this that I can understand. The kind of support for Zionism comes primarily from a interpretation, a very literalist and strict interpretation of the Torah, I'm imagining. And by fundamentalist Christians and evangelical, well, evangelical Christians, I'll put it that way, because yes. fundamentalist doesn't even cover uh, all of Christian Zionists, right? Um, um, the I am seeing, a lot, in addition to the everyday American mm-hmm. uh, Jewish person right. decrying the Zionism and decrying what's happening in Gaza right now, and now it's actually also, there are ongoing attacks in the West Bank, uh, and, and Israel is pushing in ground troops to the West Bank, so now it's both of the Palestinian territories mm-hmm. that are being besieged at this point. But the other group of people that I see are uh, the very orthodox Jewish rabbis saying that the Torah explicitly states that the Jewish people shall not have an ethnic homeland. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's in the Torah. Now, there are two readings, just like mm-hmm. every religious book two, yeah. has multiple readings, yeah. right? So 
Netanyahu and the Zionists are pulling from one reading, and these Orthodox Jews are pulling right. from a different part, and they're or they're interpreting them differently, whatever it is. But right now, Israel is pushing for a ethno state, which I would argue that no one has Some the right of the language to. Language that I've read describing what Israel is supposed to be to Zionists is a purely Jewish state. Yeah, which that um, I I don't think that there's a group on earth that right. quote-unquote deserves that or is right. entitled to that. The only way to make that a thing mm. is to violently expel people. That's ethnic cleansing. Right. That's what the word means. And that's a war crime. That's a humanitarian, like it's a crime, literal crime against humanity, mm. like in the definition of crimes against humanity. So in the Western media, you'll largely see only things from Israel, only yeah. Israel uh, points of view. They are sharing a lot of the Israel survivor stories, which absolutely should be shared. But what's happening in Palestine needs to be addressed, addressed and, not, uh, and head on, because so often you hear Palestinians or Hamas killed these Jewish people, yeah. and then Palestinians are just killed. Well, They're I've also heard um, <laughs> one spokesperson representing the land invasion of uh, mm. of the Gaza Strip in tanks, shooting, 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 withdrawing as how many terrorists were killed. Yeah. It wasn't defined as people. I, I don't know how you tell the difference between the terrorists and the other people. Well, other, I promise you I don't know that 40-day-old 40, 40 right. babies are not terrorists. No. I'm not sure how you define it if you're firing. If you're firing from the air, if you're firing rockets into a property... I don't know how you guarantee you're not targeting civilians. That's why they're saying if you stay in this place, right. we're going to consider you combatants. But you're not allowing us to leave either. Precisely. So what you're doing is you're fishing in a barrel, to use a very old expression. It's yep. like you're going to catch something. And the other piece, or another piece, is mm -hmm. Israeli spokespeople are going in front of news cameras and calling them human animals, the Palestinians right. human animals. And I, I think that kind of language is being decried, at least uh, in the, the news sources I've seen. I would certainly hope um, so. The, I think what bothers me as much is the way that there is a particular slant given in the media mm -hmm. towards that is um, mostly... It's it's slanted away from looking at the issues of Palestinian people and how they've been mm -hmm. essentially oppressed for seventy years. Mm -hmm. uh, but on top of that, also repercussions here. People mm -hmm. who've expressed anti-Zionist opinions are labeled as anti-Semitic, and it's gone so far as people standing at protests have had uh, jobs denied them. Yeah, they're being yeah, people who sign Adopt. letters saying right. that we need to ce cease fire mm -hmm. and anything with the words free Palestine on mm -hmm. them. Yes, but it also goes both ways. have had job offers rescinded. Like people right. who sign, like college students who sign these letters. There was a protest at the Berkeley campus not too, just a few days ago where protesters are showing up wearing masks and things Yeah, because they don't want to be photographed by people in the crowd and yeah. then... Uh, turned in, in, essentially. There was a story um, that I heard from Columbia University uh -huh. where a student journalist was uh, interviewing people around a pro-Palestinian demonstration, and she interviewed a staff member. Mm -hmm. wasn't a professor, but was a staff member. And it started with, these animals should all be killed. They shouldn't be here. And he's talking about the students that are protesting on Palestine's mm. behalf. And then he was like, listen, I'm Jewish, I'm a Zionist, and these people are... And it yeah. was it was heinous. Um, and that's staff at a college. Looking yeah. at kids, I mean, they're young adults, but they're kids still, who are horrified by the massive death tolls and the torture that is happening to the Palestinian people and calling them animals, and it's right. wild to and, me. And this is, again, not to in any way reduce the horror of what was done to Israel. Israeli citizens Absolutely. who were 
minding their own business. Yeah. Living they, their they own were having a they was places. a holiday. Right. And yeah, they were and just trying to live their lives. Knocking on your door, shooting it up. I mean that's that's something that we've gotten used to here, sadly. Yeah. In this country. Not to this extent is, quite, but yeah. Your life is essentially you don't know when you leave your home or even if you stay in your home that something's yeah. gonna happen. Right. Um for my part, something that we've discussed a lot lately is that given my ancestry, I am never on the side of the colonizer. Mm-hmm. So this has been a kind of a, a vexed point for me, too, because I grew up in an evangelical home. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were part of a group of evangel- uh, well, an evangelical group, which is a quite a large one, uh, dispensationalist evangelical uh, body that it was very pro-Israel, anti-Palestine. There was no rationale given for it other than that. Promises were made thousands of years ago, and those promises have to be kept, which is what I'm going to address right now. Okay. Genesis 12:7 informs us, And the Lord appeared to Abram, Abram, for he was Abraham, and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord and appear, who had appeared unto him. The previous verse had told us, And Abram passed through the land, in the place of uh, Sikkim, under the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. So what yeah, that informs Canaan, us, right? Right. The land. Yeah. Okay. That informs us that this this is the promise that God makes Abraham. The um, promised land, right? Uh, exactly. If you will, which is a term that we still use for mm-hmm. lots of things. Yeah. But um, this promised land was always occupied by somebody else. Mm-hmm. In the uh, when Abraham was promised this land, the Canaanites were there. So. Other groups had to be driven out, and Abram, who eventually becomes Abraham and his descendants, could settle there. When the Hebrew people, having escaped famine in Canaan, mm-hmm. settled on the borders outside of Egypt, mm-hmm. uh, they multiplied and became a threat to the Egyptians, who had become concerned that in the event of a conflict, because Egypt was an empire, right. in the event of a conflict, that the, this large group of people living at their borders could choose to side with an invader and help overthrow the Overth- Egyptians. Right. Sounds very familiar. Their rationale was the Egyptians to take them into bondage right. and slavery. This is the beginning of the Egyptian slavery, right. uh, which was later ended when Moses comes back and rescues right. everyone. They return. Let my people go, if you'll recall. Right, exactly. They return to their lands and find out it's even more extensively settled by the Sea People, the right. Philistines, right. and others. And then begin a series of holy wars that goes on for decades and then till centuries where they're just driving these people out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, when Moses is speaking to God, mm. uh, God says to him, I am come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So all of these were people that were these living were on that land. These were all ethnic groups living on that land at the time. Now, this land was inhabited. The people were there, uh, were living there. There were holy wars initiated by Joshua, who was Moses' successor. See, I read that, mm-hmm. and it doesn't say it's only yours. No. It says it, you can some... live in this land, which right. is amazing, and has all of these people on it, and you could be one of these people. Ever, from the very beginning... Abram, Abraham, he did not drive all the people out. Okay. There were people living there in the land that he just lived among them. He lived separately in his own tents. Right. His nephew Lot goes and lives in Sodom. Right. Right, which was a very wicked city. Mm. Um, that's what we're told. Yeah, that's what we're told. And <laughs> when Joshua comes back to claim the promised land, mm-hmm. there are groups there who worship other gods, uh, which had, according to the story, yeah. uh, had rights, uh, fertility rights in particular, that required human sacrifice and all sorts of other horrible things. So as a result, those those cultures had to be gone. However, people did coexist with them mm-hmm. uh, for a while. They were fighting the Philistines constantly. Mm-hmm. The Philistines and, the, and the, the Israelites were fighting all through the Book of Judges, for instance. And Philistine and Palestine come from the same root word, right. the Philistines, but they are not... No. Technically related. The Philistines were also themselves immigrants. Because um, I believe the Palestinian word for themselves, 
or for their area was also Philistine spelled differently mm -hmm. from the same root. It's the sea, right? right. It's that's okay. The sea people. We don't know where exactly they came from. One um, one scholar said at one point and that was something that uh, appealed to me, but I'm not sure how much evidence there was that ever supported is that these were the uh, refugees from Troy. Oh, interesting. After the Trojan War, I've been given my love of antiquity and, right. and myth and stories. Uh, I, that appealed to me. It's like, oh, these are the people who escaped from under Odysseus. But anyhow, the, there were some cultures that God, again, according to the book, specifically asked, these people have to be stopped. They sacrifice their children in fire. They do these horrible things. Get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And that was, they were killed. The entire culture was wiped off the face of the earth. Their That's homes what's were known burned. as a genocide. Exactly. Others, though, were made welcome. And as long as they didn't worship their foreign gods, as long as they sort of lived in peace with people... Uh, Sounds like Rome. Right. They were allowed to assimilate and become a part of the culture. As a matter of it's fact... It, this, is the, <laughs> this is colonialism, right? right? I'm coming to your place. It's like going to somebody's house mm. and being like, so um, you're not going to cook what you used to cook, you're not going to watch what you used to watch on TV, you're not right. going to sleep where you used to sleep, but you can stay here if you're cool about it. Right. Like, what? So, the uh, in as, there's a point to Levitical law uh, Leviticus 19.34 reads, The stranger who resides with you shall be as one of your citizens. You shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So there was several th threads of thought moving at this point, um, that moving through the Hebrew mind, at least, when composing the books that wound up being the Torah. Right. And so it's kind of confusing trying to sort out, well, where the... Right, because that reads uh, like... Hey, you got treated like crap in Egypt. Don't do that. Right. Don't, Don't do, do that going, going forward. You're not slaves here. You're not going to enslave these people. You're not going to do any of that. If people are coming to you and they've lost all their resources, you welcome them because you were slaves once. Yeah. And you were living out on the, the borders of a territory. And they sort of came and took your goods and took it. Yeah. So that's, that's a, another thread that comes into the story. And it ties in with mm. the constant refrain that you'll hear from Zionists, right. including our president, which is, doesn't Israel have a right to defend itself? And it absolutely does. Right. But what is happening right now is in no way defense. Uh, if you are mounting, if you say, mm. I am mounting a ground offensive, you are not defending yourself. One of the one of the definitions of self-defense, of which I'm very familiar, is that you only use enough force to stop the attack. Yeah. Sometimes that requires lethal force. If a person mm -hmm. consistent is persistent, if a person is producing a weapon and you're unarmed, there's all sorts of other reasons, but mm -hmm. at this point the response has been out of proportion with the original attack. Oh, yeah, that's the uh, that's another war crime that's been mm. um, levied is that disproportional response. And right. they're, they're going on television and saying what they're doing and then denying that it is what it is, which is if Hamas just does X, Y, and Z, we'll, we'll give food and water to the people of Gaza. Right. That's what? <laughs> that's not how this right. works. That's literally the definition of the thing you're not supposed to do the, in, in terms of defending itself. There is an argument to be made that a settler colony mm -hmm. does not have the right to defend itself against the people that it is colonizing. Which, that's not defense. Yes. Actually, there I agree is... with that. From the point of view of a person, again, mm -hmm. having grown up here with my particular ancestry, yes, that's absolutely right. Right, right. You, like you're not you defending can't... yourself, you're responding to uh, you are invading another country. You're trying to destroy their culture, their language, and when they respond violently, you, you where what's the sense of entitlement where you get to attack them to defend yourself Again. even though you're not you don't belong there. Yeah. Now, the reason why I brought this up mm -hmm. is that this is the 
mentality. Mm-hmm. This is the, the, the founding of state myth um, for Israel. And it's it's interesting that I'm using the word myth in this case because mm-hmm. I generally don't. No, you don't like that term. I don't like that term. because On this show or right. around this subject. But I have to stress that um, the idea that you are given this and you can't find a way of living in peace, you're just going to eliminate everyone else there. This is a Bronze Age solution, quote-unquote, to a modern problem. Yeah. And you can't keep behaving like, you know, that was the rule when people were fighting with copper weapons. This is not the way that we're supposed to behave when there's a... uh, when killing or murdering or slaughtering an entire culture, mm-hmm. or eventually, as you pointed out, an entire world is at stake. Mm-hmm. You can't do this. It's irresponsible. I believe two, a week into mm-hmm. the, um, I don't even want to use the word conflict, that's just not, right. that's not it. Um, by the 14th October, it was being reported that 47 Palestinian families had been completely decimated, wiped mm-hmm. off the face of the earth. They ended 47 bloodlines. That's genocide. Yeah. Um, all right, so... So what's the deal with evangelicals? Evangelicals and why are they... have taken all of this story. Now, uh-huh. even the, um, there has been... We were discussing a little while ago, apropos of another subject, uh, the difference between high church and low church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Catholic church has never been for the founding of Israel as a nation. It... I don't know exactly what the reasons were for it. Okay. It could have been it could have been anti-Semitism right. on their part. Um, however, there have always been pro-Zionist groups in the Protestant version of the faith. Everyone from former presidents yeah. to famous uh, uh, Protestant leaders to people like Dr. King mm. were supporting it. However, they were not supporting this version of it. Right. Their idea of what Israel would be would be different. Right. Um, and we have to, to, to be careful when we talk about that because it's like, well, you know, there was these famous peaceful people, these uh, uh, people who were supporting Israel who are, fam- or are renowned for their ability to make peace. Yes, but they saw a peace coming. They didn't see this. They also didn't... And I, I'm hearing again, um, mm-hmm. another thing I'm hearing a lot of is from, um, American Jews saying how mad they are about how lied to they are, they have been about Israel mm-hmm. and what Israel is doing to Palestinians. They have been taught that all Palestinians want the death of all Jews. Right. That's patently false, especially because um, there are a lot of Jewish Palestinians in Gaza. Mm-hmm. There are Jews. There are Christians. There mm-hmm. are Muslims. They're all in there. The Jews in Palestine don't want the death of the Jews in Israel. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to die. Right. So the uh, the evangelical movement starting in the 1960s, mm-hmm. somewhere mostly late 60s. Uh, they real rough time for America v. Right. evangelical, and there were people, the new evangelicals, people like Billy Graham, for instance, supported Israel again, not necessarily on every front, but mm-hmm. supported its idea, uh, um, or its identity and its country mm-hmm. uh, as right to exist, right? right? It's right yeah. to exist. Um, but there was, and it really falls on one person, Hal Lindsey, okay. who wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth, in which he uh, associated biblical prophecy with uh, events that were current events. And it was a multiple-time bestseller. Okay. And the book itself describes uh, the beginning of biblical prophecies for the end times. Mm-hmm. This is are for people who um, who see... Uh, I guess that dispensationalism is a part of the, the term for people who see essentially 
a series of events that have to be fulfilled prophetically in order for Christ to return, if indeed that's even what's meant by Christ's return. But again, um, they, uh, his book started with the foundation of Israel, and that's the cornerstone mm-hmm. in 1948. Then all these other prophecies have to take place. He kept identifying them as events in, in the news. Mm-hmm. And so it began with that and sort of developed from there into the notion that Christ will is is return is imminent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to support Israel mm-hmm. because that's the land that was promised them, as we read mm-hmm. in our book. And because uh, Protestantism, a lot of Protestantism, is sola scriptura. They're going to base all of their opinions solely on the scripture, mm-hmm. even the parts that conflict with each other. But I don't understand that how that works. But, believe, right. The parts that are inconsistent, all of that, they're going to believe and base all of their faith on that rather than on um, on any kind of interpretation that, as they do any in critical high church, thinking right, at all, yeah. Which is, allows for that. So when he published this book, he set a lot of ideas, how Lindsay did, in motion that have become accepted in the Christian church now. There are many people who then, following from that, who'd never read The Late Great Planet Earth. We had a copy on our bookshelf when I was a kid. Mm. And it, was, it wasn't taken too seriously because it was essentially, to me, the same as Gene Dixon or any of the other people who are you know, talking about the end of the world. Right. Oh, you know and this being... is a similar sort of thing when we talked about the age of the earth, right? right. It was a dude wrote a book, mm-hmm. and then some parts of the church just were like, yep, that's it. Right. Like, even though we believe only what's in the Bible, we're going to also believe this right. thing, which is and, but, what's but happening. But to people at that particular time, it struck a, a sort of a 70s kind of... 70s. Mm-hmm. Sort of uh, strike a chord for them, uh-huh. attaching biblical events to modern uh, day events, right. current events, and then sort of coming together. It's like, well, this is the fulfillment of a prophecy. Right. That's just us mm. wanting to think that we are Projecting, important. However, yeah. But also, like, well, I wasn't there with Jesus, but I'll be yeah. there at the end, right? Like, yeah. it's going to happen in my lifetime because I'm important. Yes, which is exactly. Wild. And it gives their lives a sort of a sense of scope that they're watching it happening. Right. So, from there, the list of current events that he, uh, Cal Lindsay listed events in his book that had to be uh, fulfilled for the return of Christ at the beginning of the tribulation, because again, it was a dispensationalist that he's, uh, he's approaching it with the idea that there's a very rigid set of events that have to happen. Is that, that's what dispensationalism uh, means? Well, the, the dispensationalism means that from the beginning of the world, God has revealed himself slowly over a series of prophecies and there's different dispensations. There's actually a, a book that my brother used to have that covered the ages of dispensation, of which I believe there were seven. Okay. In his book, um, uh, how God eventually reveals himself to people. But that's how they justify Often, when God says something, for instance, sacrifice your son Abraham. Right. And it's like, well, we justify it because God wasn't going to actually have him sacrifice his kid. But that was like how God revealed himself to that point. And I find that that sort of thing had been coloring my thinking for a very long time because Mm -hmm. I was raised with it. It's very hard to get these things out of your head. To Lindsay and to modern dispensationalists like Tim LaHaye. Oh, yes. Who wrote you the may left know. behind series? <laughs> yeah, uh, which is really funny. When I first saw Tim LaHaye being interviewed in programs and all, uh, he was uh, he and his wife were doing a, a, like a, a sex therapy, a book for Christians, um, for married couples. Lord, don't. And, uh, and so it's like, wait, the sex guy? He's writing books now. But he uh, <clears throat> he wrote a book, or rather, he wrote an outline for a book that was. The, the dramatic parts were just written by somebody else, where it ends with the Battle of Armageddon, okay. which is what's everything in this kind of thinking is aiming towards. Okay. There are tours right now of Israel where people go off. They go to this place in northern Israel, the field of Medigo, which is a ruin, mm-hmm. and say this is where the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place, and the Jewish people will fight all the armies of the world, and then God comes in and saves them at the last moment. And then they realize that Jesus actually is Lord, and they reject their stubborn, stiff-necked ways. I kid you not. Wait a minute. Over. Are we talking about the Jews? Yes. And wow. And that when they see that Jesus actually is Lord, they 
all become Jews for Jesus. Right. They all convert, and then the world like right changes. right then yes. in the in the moment. Right. You, Lord, don't be the one person <laughs> who's like well, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm gonna hold up this whole thing. Because of that, that idea, that anticipation, this is going to happen. There has been support from Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell. They want Falwell. World War Three because they, they want think it. that that's yeah. going to be. Now, mind you, even to their interpretation of the scripture, this is a rapture where people are sucked up into the sky, as we've discussed. Do they take their clothes or no? That I've one's. Seen, I've seen both. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> of it. Sorry, everyone. They get sucked up into the sky. And then there's seven years of absolute horror in which uh, a fascist government run by the Antichrist will rule the world. Well, we already did that. Um, and then, uh, during those seven years, God just repeatedly punishes the human race with all sorts of uh, plagues and monsters and everything. Is, and, I'm just wondering if this is one of the reasons that they back Trump. Not because they think he is a good Christian president. Uh-huh. They look at, they always call him a flawed vessel, right? But because they actually do believe he's the Antichrist. So I, they're putting him I into have a position. no idea why anybody supports Because honestly, that at least makes a modicum of sense right. if you are so warped in your vision that you want these things to line up. Right. And all of this the, to happen. Which... The actual end result, though, is that the support for Israel from the modern evangelical, right, is not so... Um, it's so self-serving. Exactly. That's the word I'm looking for, or the term I'm looking for. It's because we want Christ to return, despite, if even in our their system of it belief. It also feels deeply anti-Semitic. Horrible things will happen. Yeah. And then at the very end, you all are going to have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right, which feels deeply anti-Semitic to me. Right. So they are Zionist anti-Semites. Oh, yes. But they don't see it that way. Of course not. They don't see a lot of things the way that things actually are. I, I can't do anything about that. Are they going to listen to this show? Probably not. Yeah, Jerry Falwell said, for instance, to stand against Israel, to stand against God. We believe that history and scripture prove that God deals with nations in relation to how they deal with Israel. That was, and and it's difficult to, to overestimate, well, it's impossible to overestimate uh, the influence that people like Jerry Falwell or Pat Robertson or uh, now I guess it's... Um, Minister in Texas, who John Hagee, um, who's now still is pushing this kind of uh, belief, this we, you know, this we, we support Israel at all costs. Israel is we're going to support it even militarily if we have to. God will bless us because He blesses Israel. It's calling on a a relationship that we don't have. As Christians, mm-hmm. speaking for myself, as, mm-hmm. as a Christian person, we don't have that relationship with the old book necessarily. This isn't our history. Our history right. begins with Jesus and going into all the world teaching the gospel, not just one group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, as you said, it's a way of kind of making an ordinary person sitting in a church meeting somewhere feel some sort of relevance in their lives. They feel that the end is coming, that they will be among the anointed and saved. They will, um, in their lifetime, see... I would be raptured, really. It's... (sighs) Like, if if the rapture was a thing, which Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't believe. Right. But if it was a thing, do they take just the people who think that they should go? Or do they take... The people who actually belong in heaven. Mm-hmm. Who could say? Jesus doesn't really mention. My the guess too is <laughs> so. It's that like if I follow the, what the, he says. Yeah, the yeah. fundamental thing that we keep coming back to is everyone is saved. Right. Like so, everyone's getting raptured. Like. Oh. You just, I mean, 
I guess we could just blow the world up and see what happens. Well, because there's a there, same same. There's very much. I think that's kind of um. When I was trying to explain what's going on in Gaza right now, I said that I was telling a friend that it was very much like it was. It was a literal kill them all and let God sort them out. Yeah. We're going that's to literally that is exactly what's and we're happening. Going to just, Everyone, the good and the bad, will die, and the righteous somehow will, you know, either survive or God will bless them and they'll, you know, live in an afterlife. It's or, the same thing they I, did to witches, right? Right. If you drown, oops, you weren't a witch, sorry. If you don't drown, we're going to hang you. Like, yeah. there's no winning. You can't... I don't see how, in this case, I'm supposed to feel this connection with a group of people who've been mistreating this other group for this long and not identify with both victims on either side of this issue. Yeah. The 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 killing of civilians period right. is heinous and needs to stop immediately. The subjugation of the Palestinian people is heinous needs and to needs to stop immediately. There will not be a two-state solution. We've been trying it for 70 years. It's not going to happen because Israel is not going to stop encroaching that, on those around them. I don't know that it's actually been tried. I think that there's been agreements to try it, and then immediately... Sure. But So that right. tells you right, that exactly. it's not going to happen. It's not going to without a radical change in attitude. And, we're, and don't we don't think, have a radical change in attitude. I don't think that at this and, point it's going to happen. No. Because there's too much death. The only path to peace mm. in this area is the dismantlement, dismantling of the Israel project. Mm. And then whoever wants to stay can stay. Because the other, another thing that also needs to be said is one million homes have been utterly destroyed mm. so if everything stops now and the humanitarian aid gets in there and and people can f eat and get medical help and they have access to water again there's still a million people who are have nowhere to live mm. they there is no return to normal for the people of the gaza strip there will right. be no return to normal. And frankly, they wouldn't want to return to normal because their normal has been they're under siege all the time whenever Israel wants to come I, in and do something. I would disagree that... I don't want to say that Israel has to be completely dismantled um, as a country. I want to say that it needs a hell of a lot... In, pardon the expression, a lot of new leadership and new thinking and to go with the idea that everyone either lives or falls together. There are some people who are going to be against that. There are. Iran, for instance. Uh, uh, yes, no, And of I have no idea. Well, I mean, Iran, whatever issues that they're having there that compels them to constantly interfere in this. Mm -hmm. But I am... Um, uh, and it might be some sort of Christian optimism to think that maybe there is a way out of this. Uh, but it won't be with these people in charge. It I won't think be with these... Settler, because mm -hmm. it's a settler colony, Right. the settler colony needs to be dismantled. There is, there's no way... Mm -hmm. The same thing with the United States, right? Right. For true justice for the indigenous population of this country... Right. The United States itself cannot exist anymore. It has to come mm -hmm. up in a new form. Right. Same thing goes for Israel. We could still call it Israel if it's that important, but it, this, mm. what's ha what, what it is right now, cannot stay. And what's happening in front of all of our eyes, if we are looking, mm -hmm. is the complete decimation of the Palestinian people right. and Gaza will be turned into seaside resorts because mm. it's on the Mediterranean. I think that's probably the part of it that does 
bother me the most, again, coming from my point of view, is looking at people being pushed out of their homes and denied any kind of voice, denied any kind of ability to take care of themselves or to determine their own fate. And then their property winds up being taken and uh, becomes a sort of a playground for wealthy people. And that, to me, is the most offensive and disgusting part of it. And there are... Israel has a mandatory military Mm -hmm. service. Yeah. There are going to be Israeli military casualties. Yeah. Like... by people who like they're bringing in reservists these are people who are just trying to live their lives they're teachers and now they have to go kill Palestinians they don't want to do that but they're conscripted and they don't have a choice which says another thing about Israel and Mm -hmm. what they're doing and again we have to make it very clear we're not talking about the people as much as Israeli citizens the government largely Uh yes like, please don't judge me on the on the movements of our president's past or future, right. and I would not. Oh no! The, the Israeli citizens mm-hmm. largely are living under their government that's going to do what their government's going to do, mm-hmm. and so I blame their government, right. led by a man who's been convicted of corruption. Right. Like, let's be very clear. Benjamin Netanyahu is not a good man. He's not a good person. And he's proving it every day. As he is saying, now, we're entering a new front in Gaza, and it's going to be, quote, long and difficult. For whom, sir? Yeah. Because I don't think this is that hard for you. It doesn't really seem like it's no, that it difficult just, for you. It also feels like an actual soldier does not want to fight someone with sticks and stones, for heaven's sakes. That's That's the other thing. What you see with the Palestinian, like the conflicts between Palestine and Israel, the Palestinians, the the people in Gaza and Israel is they're throwing stones at Israeli tanks. Can we call this a war? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous on its face. Yeah, I guess that's what we have to say. I will say uh, one last thing, which is, if you are, this is for literally everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you might think it's a kid's app or whatever. If you are not on TikTok, get on TikTok because that is where we are seeing Palestinian voices. Mm-hmm. We are seeing what is happening coming from inside of the Gaza Strip, inside the West Bank, instead of what the Western media is showing. I'm on there. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at Sassy Scribbler. I'll put it in the show notes. All I've been doing for the past three weeks and all I will continue to do is repost these voices, facts, history, up-to-date, you know, reporting of what's actually happening and different points of view on the history, on what, you know, what's happening today, what's going to happen. Um, And I think it's important to not look away because this is the the 30s and 40s in Germany. We in if you look yeah. away, you're complicit. If you don't if you don't do anything, you are siding with the oppressor. That's how it works. So, get on TikTok, you can search the free hashtag free Palestine um and you'll get a lot of stuff. Yeah. Some of it is extraordinarily hard to watch. There are images that you don't want to see, but it's important to document this because if Israel gets its way, in 10 years we're going to have a Palestinian Remembrance Day and Israel is going to be um, lauded for protecting itself, which is a lie, but history is written by the winners. So we need to be able to know, we need to carry on these people's lives if they don't get to do it themselves. So, get on TikTok. I would urge you, actually, to please share this with somebody. Like it or not, mm-hmm. I, I can't think that this is a fun episode. It's not right. fun to talk about. No, it's not had, fun uh, to think just about. so that everyone knows, we, we had 
I had other things planned, but when this issue developed and kept building in strength, it's like, no, we have to address this. All, this is all I want to talk about right, right now. And it's draining on my mental health, mm-hmm. but also I'm sitting in California mm-hmm. and there are no bombs coming down on me. Right. So my mental health can take it. It's mm-hmm. just going to have to. Um, but yeah, I we wrote everything out we were i was very careful in narrowing our scope mm-hmm. as much as i could this is a centuries long decade at the very least decades mm-hmm. long thing that the west has not been looking at and now all of a sudden we're looking at it and finding out oh it's not looking at it because it's trying to excuse its own anti-semitism of course it's also trying to excuse Joe Biden, before he was president, before he was vice president, said if there wasn't an Israel, we'd have to invent one. A large reason that we are backing Israel no matter what is um, for oil and for military presence in the Middle East. Mm. That's it. That's all. Once again, self-serving. Nobody's... Nobody's cheering on anybody for what they're doing. They're cheering on everybody for what they can get out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to lead to the genocide of all of the Palestinian people. And it's not okay. Um, find us at withoutworkspod at gmail.com. You can find us uh, at the website withoutworkspodcast.com. Uh, we're going to have a lot of show notes this time. We I pulled from a lot of sources, and then I'm going to add some reading lists, and I'm going to include my TikTok. So um, do follow. Do get on TikTok. I know it's people think that it's kids dancing, and sometimes it is. But right now, it's Palestinians telling their stories, and it's important. He's been Lemuel. I've been Amity. We urge you to go out and do something good.